and we are live, man. Appreciate y'all tuning into the Blue Bloods, man. Week five FCS HBCU preview, Coach's Corner edition with my guy, Coach Fred, man. Sorry we had to push this one back, guys. But listen, we're gonna try our best to go 4:30 on Mondays and Thursdays. But listen, we are the only show out here with an active coach previewing fcs football while still coaching the fcs man so we got to be a little bit flexible with our schedules man so if you're up late tonight on the east coast rocking with us man we really appreciate you if you've already went to bed listening to it on the replay whether it's audio video we appreciate you rocking with us afterwards but coach how we feeling man man good man um uh, I, I i'm sorry for the delay uh it was a good delay uh i'll take it but uh it was an unexpected delay uh we had some uh some nfl teams come in uh, want to do some background and talk to some of our kids. So, you know, couldn't say no to that. Um, normally they come in early. We practice in the morning, but, uh, you know, whatever their schedule allows them to come in and see our kids, uh, being the pro uh, liaison, got to be here, got to be with it. Um, and then we had to go get the equipment truck because we're traveling. So it was a, it was a, it was a plethora of things, man, but uh, I made it. I'm here. Let's go. Love it, man. So, hey, I've already made the, I've already put it out there and we got a big announcement to make, man. So, just want to put it out here, man. No changes coming for the podcast, man. Listen, you can still catch me, my guy, Coach Fred, every, every Monday and Thursday. But listen, there's going to be some big changes for the website. The Blue Bloods uh, website is officially moving over to Sports Illustrated slash Fan Nation. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a rebrand. Listen, it's not going to be the bluebloods.com. We're going we're, we got to had to switch up the name to make it more FCS friendly. So, man, we're rocking with FCS Football Central um, over there at Sports Illustrated Fan Nation. Listen, all, we're already working on getting some more contributors. Shout out to my guy, Timothy. Listen, my guy, Coach Fred, might make some appearances over on the website too. And, and we got a lot of things in motion, man. It's a huge, huge step for the website, huge step for the brand in terms of all the American lists, all conference lists, daily FCS content online, man. It's so a shout out to all the guys over there, Sports Illustrated Fan Nation, for reaching out. What's up, Coach? So we're going to be on SI? We are, man. We're going to be on SI, man. Huge step. Listen, I want to give – Every single person watching DSI. now, yeah, the VSI, the Sports DSI. Illustrated, it, man, huge. I still can't necessarily believe it. I, I got kind of a preview of the site today because they're they're building it, and man, it just feels surreal. So I want to give a shout out though, every single person who has watched this show, whether you have consistently watched, watched back, we were just getting started when it was just me and my guy Brandon to me and my guy coach now in the coach's corner through me and my guy Scotty doing the round table, man. It's been a super long journey. I want to say coach, we're about to, it's about to be five years of this. And man, we finally got to like this pinnacle and man, I, I it's just a start, man. It's just a start. So I'm, I'm super pumped. So listen, you can catch all the FCS content on there, man. We're going to have everything from big Scott to swag to me to Patriot league to, to MVFC CAA. It doesn't matter, man. So, Listen, the, the launch for the website is October 11th. Wednesday, October 11th, the site will officially be live on Sports Illustrated Fan Nation. You can also find clips of my show with Coach on the website, too, with every article. And, and we're going to be doing a lot of stuff, man. But, Coach, what you got to say, man? I just want to say publicly over the Internet airwaves and how far, far ever that reaches, man, Um. I just want to say thank you. I tip my hat to you. Uh, reached out to you two years ago. A guy off the blind, off the cuff. Hey, man, love what you're doing. Let's get down. Let's do something. Uh, I thought you played me to the back. Uh, you eventually got back with me. And uh, we've been rocking ever since, man. Um, I just want to say thank you. Long for the ride, long for the journey. But <laughs> I can tell my mom I'm going to be on SI at some point. Yeah, man. Yeah, listen, man. I, I I talked to Timothy today. He's in the chat, man. Shout out to my guy, Timothy Rosario, been a contributor for a few weeks now, man. He's like, dude, he was like, like he still couldn't believe it, man. So I, I'm really excited. I think it's going to really help us be right up there with the Hero Sports, the FCS Stats Perform, man. One of the leaders in FCS content, man. Of course, Listen, I'll just be honest. No one's touching us on on audio, video. We're, we're, we're setting the standard in terms of that, in terms of FCS content over the uh, over the Internet, man. So shout out to everybody in the chat, everyone watching, everyone who has ever listened. We couldn't One have done this question. without you. With, Go ahead. With SI. So 
I can't smoke a cigar on it like the old coaches show and have a room all foggy with cigar smoke now because we're going to be on SI. I, I, I'm sure we're going to be fine. Listen, man, I, I don't okay. I don't think it's going to be that in depth. But hey, we're going to have to get you writing, coach. We're going to have to get like a weekly coaches corner article out there, man. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll ghost write for you if we have to. But man, coach. Man, shifting from that, and again, thank y'all for everyone who has who has supported me and coach and everything that um, you know, we got going out here. But coach, man, storylines, the breaking news of the night. I know you can't say his name because of because of the swag, but Andrew Body, Texas Southern quarterback, announced tonight he will be he will miss the remainder of the season. Will take a medical red shirt. Be back next season. Wants to make sure he's a hundred percent. Um, and I, I wish the best for Andrew, his recovery, everything that him and his family got going on. I love the bodies, man. Shout out to them. Big supporters of the show and platform. Um, coach, so uh, to frame it like this, because I know we can't talk specifically about him. If, if you had a player, a quarterback overcoming a, sh a shoulder injury, you know, he's not 100 percent going in the season. Do you think this is the best move for him moving forward? No doubt. Um, if he doesn't have the uh, 96 Cowboys up there blocking for him. Uh, you've got to do this because that that's the the vital part of the position, so to speak. Um, you know, he's got to be 100 um, percent. And that's one position that I think is your rule. If you roll out there and you're not 100 percent and you don't perform to 100 percent, you're going to take all all the heat because everybody's going to assume you're 100 um, percent. But, you know, shoulder injuries, uh, knee Lower extremity, you know, you have to take precaution and do everything uh, within power to make sure you get back to 100% and you're able to protect yourself and not just play at a high level. Yeah, and I mean, Coach, you know this. In the FCS, if you don't have tape for three to four years that's almost perfect, it's hard to get to that next level. Even if you got the cachet, the media push behind it. Listen, because let's be honest, no other SWAC player maybe – in the country right now has the media push behind him like Andrew body. I mean, this kid's going to get noticed if he starts really taking that game to the next level. Now, uh, you know, it is going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, not say anything. I, I want to see what Texas Southern looks like next year. We know there's, there's some talk already about maybe some changes in certain key positions. We, we know what it is, but I think if Andrew comes back a hundred percent, whether it's a Texas Southern, where, whether it's at another school, I think the, I think the kids got potential. It's just I agree with you in today's age of college football. If you don't take care of yourself, man, that whole playing through injuries and risking your future at the FCS level, that's not going to work, man. You need to be one hundred percent, or you're going to end up losing money in the in the long game. Yeah, and and losing money, hurting yourself, hurting your uh, your stock, um, and then the long term. You know, it's a long season. Uh, you limp into the season. By the time you get to the end of the season, if you're not 100 percent, it's going to be tough. Um, what I would like to see and, and wishing him 100 uh, percent recovery, like you said, I would like to see now how those pieces uh, come around him uh, going forward with this next recruiting thing that's coming up, this next recruiting cycle, which is really close Uh Season just started, man, but we, we're already into official visit season and things like that. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens over in Houston. Yeah, and, you know, shifting – listen, well, we're going to get into some FCS storylines. The first, the two biggest ones were just HBCU-based. Coach, the HBCU Legacy Bowl announced a day ago the first two acceptances into the into the postseason All-Star game, and it's two major ones. And I'll, I'll explain why. Davius Richard – and Jeremy Musa have committed to playing in the HBCU Legacy Bowl. And, Coach, I, I still don't necessarily think people know how big of a deal this is because over the past two years, I've went down to New Orleans. People can fact-check it. I have been there every single day for the past two years. I get there the day before it starts. I've been at every practice, every media thing. Like, I've been present at the game, doing interviews. The top prospects in HBCU football – choose to go to the Senior Bowl, choose to go to the Shrine Bowl. And what it does is it affects the product on the field. Because, because me and you talked about the Legacy Bowl this year, the offensive line play was atrocious. And I think the key for them was getting these two guys to commit is a message to the top offensive linemen that are eligible to say, come play here. 
because we're going to put a better product on the field. And this is huge because scouts, I, I don't know necessarily what Musa is, is putting out there right now. I don't know what his draft stock is, but me and you both know Davius Richard has some serious potential behind his NFL draft stock. The scouts are coming to see him at bare minimum. Yep. And I think this also sends the message that, you know, the legacy bowl is telling other bowls and tell everybody out there that we're serious. We're legit. We're here. We're going to be here for a long time. Um, and now I think they just got to take it to the next level, uh, which sewing up the upfront situation um, as best they can, as top notch as they can, rather that be through FCS division two, uh, giving out all the top guys an opportunity. Um, those two, I, I can't wait to see the next two to accept. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking Isaiah Majors on the clock. Um, uh, what, Javon Morgan's on the clock in terms of two guys from FAMU. I think Irv Mulligan is probably on the clock. I want to say he's draft eligible this year. Yeah. Rico Powers, if I'm not mistaken, he's on the clock. That would be a huge pickup in terms of wide receiver. Devontae Davis, a defensive tackle. Jarvion yeah. Howard's on the clock. Yep. We need we need to see him down there. Um, my other guys on the clock. My other two guys are on the clock. Yeah, as well. Terrence. Terrence yeah. is on the clock at linebacker. Terrence, Malik, Terrence got one more. Huh? Terrence has one more. Oh, Terrence has one more. Ooh. Yeah. So does Malachi, doesn't he? I was about to say yep. Malachi too. Ooh. Yep. But yeah, I mean, listen, there's so there's so many names I could think of right now that need to be there. Sundiata Anderson on yes. the clock. If Colton Adams, if he decides not to come back on the clock, we need Colton. Yeah, we need him there. Yeah, Monterio Hunt. I thought he had one more year too, but Monterio, yeah. Malik. It, start accepting those invites, man. We need the top talent from the MIAC. The, yes, the MIAC, the SWAC. Oh, the the LSU offensive lineman, uh, Cardell Thomas. I want to say that would be a perfect addition. Also, Anim, Anim Dankwa, Howard offensive tackle. On the clock, um, man, there's like three guys at Central right now that probably need to join their quarterback and that they got a loaded offensive line. So this is huge for the huge for the legacy bowl, man. I, I'm really excited. I, I was really happy when I saw this announcement just because I had a conversation with some people that worked at the legacy bowl and he, he kind of agree with me that just more top prospects have to be there. Like last year, I get it. It was a great opportunity, but Mark Evans, Shaq Davis, some of these other guys that went to other places, Aubrey Miller, they should have been at the Legacy Bowl, even if they played two bowl games or didn't participate in the main game. Be down there for practice and bring the scouts with you because yeah. you guys were the selling points. Yeah, shine time did his thing. Steve uh, Smith caught win. It took off. Yeah, I I'm with you, man. So, you know, th those are some big storylines, coaches. Is there any storylines that have caught your eye going into Week Five? Man, that Gramlin Pairview game. Oh, we uh, gonna get there. That's uh that's that's huge for a lot of a lot of reasons. Um that and the uh like you said the uh, the the rumblings around certain programs now uh, I don't want to make it into a storyline but I want to make it into a question and I know we are we said we weren't going to keep people all night but I I want to get your opinion on this. Uh going into to week 4 some instances week five. When is it too early to start screaming hot seat? Mm. In your opinion. I think it depends. Okay. Cause okay. If a coach entered the season on the hot seat, then I don't think there's, there's, there's a time that it's too early. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, Oh, I'll try to find a really good example. Um, without calling anyone like specifically out, <laughs> um, Dawson Odoms. He might not have been on the hot seat because of the money, the contract, but if coming into the season, if he didn't perform, like if they're sitting at 0-4 right now, which they didn't, listen, Dawson's been cooking over there in Norfolk since that for opening loss of the D2 team. I mean, they've been two rolling. But yeah, so I'm just using him as an example. Like guys who didn't have that credibility – Going into the season, you could say it as early as you want, but guys who didn't enter the season on the hot seat, I think unless it's like an atrocious loss, like you lose to multiple D2 schools and you're really, really struggling in certain aspects of the game or something in terms of like externally is happening with the team, 
I don't think there might, I don't think there's a time that's too early, but for me, an average coach, I think you got to wait till at least you're a few games into conference play. Okay. So I, I, I think that's where I would put it, but man, we'll start with the swag since, since we already went to that PV grambling game. Is there a game this week outside of your own, of course, and outside of the Grambling PV game that you have eyes on this weekend is a crucial matchup. You know, that Grambling PV has me, um, you know, I, I know you said swag, but you, you led me to this one here. Uh, Coach Odom's in A&T. You know, he's been cooking. Um, A&T's been going the other way. Uh, if he pulls this off, is it is it still hot? Is it warm? Oh, I think he's off of it because because for me, you have to you, everything's not just like black and white in terms of that. You also got the contract. Right. He's got like a twelve year contract. It seems yeah, like so. Like crazy. it was it was already a questionable hot seat just because are they going to pay that buyout? Probably not. But you look at some of the wins he's strung together. I mean, man, are you looking at the, I, right now? When I look at the MEAC, could Norfolk potentially be better than Delaware State? Probably could they potentially be better than South Carolina state? Mm. Maybe with Morgan's offensive struggles. If, if Norfolk hops out to an early lead, is that an unwinnable game? A couple weeks ago, you would have been, we would have been I'm, like, I'm with yeah, you. Unwinnable. <laughs> but now it's like, Ooh, that Townsend loss has really aged poorly, especially after what Norfolk did to him last weekend. So I think Norfolk has some winnable games. And then I, I really do think as crucial as this weekend's game is against A&T. How big is that Tennessee state Norfolk game next week? Around the corner. Yeah. And if he wins <sighs> this one, that game there becomes even, uh, even bigger. And then, you know, to get back to the swag, your original question, uh, since we're talking warm seat, hot seat, Tuskegee go in there and win on homecoming. What happens? Ooh. Oh, I wish we would have recapped that game. I can't believe I let that escape my mind because it was a Thursday night game. Oh God, that that those last three plays we're throwing hell marys from the forty with fifteen seconds left. What are, what are we doing? But anyway, <laughs> that that seat gets a little warm. It's got to, right? Especially if you lose to Magic City this year. It's got to get warm. And I love Joseph in the chat. He's phrasing questions like you do, Coach. He said, if a certain individual comes up short on the road in a certain Arkansas city this Saturday, will he be on the hot seat? <laughs> oh, Joseph, yes. Oh, God, if he loses that game. It may that's, be time to call an Uber. <laughs> oh, that's going to be brutal. I will say, though, okay, so – We've kind of been flipping all over the place here. I do agree. I think the game of the week for HBCUs has to be Grambling State PV in Dallas. That is the unquestioned HBCU game of the week. It's going to be huge. And I, I'm really interested to see because, Coach, I don't know if you have – I know you've played PV. Y'all haven't had a chance to play Grambling yet. But these teams match up super well in terms of PV's a run-first team. Grambling has not been good against the run this year. Miles Crawley's been electric, and PV's really struggled against the pass this year. It's almost a question of which is going to give out this weekend. Is PV going to be able to establish the run, eat that clock up, wear Grambling's defense down, or is Miles Crawley going to is is he prime for a breakout game? Because if he goes to, he goes to Dallas, wins this game with a big performance, you're probably looking at him as the leader right now. Because we, listen, we've already we've had this debate forever. The the SWAC offensive player of the year is forever going to go to a quarterback. Does he take the lead for the SWAC Offensive Player of the Year with a big performance this weekend? Ain't no doubt. Um, just because this is a, uh, I think, game of the week, however you want to put it. Um, huge, Matt, you know, huge ramifications on it. Uh, he goes there, him and that man, and they go nuts. Uh, I think he he definitely takes the uh, the leader, the leader seat uh, for Offensive Player of the Year. Um I'm interested to see, like you said, how those matchups, who's going to be able to impose their will um, on the other. Who's going to cut the one off? Who's going to turn it on? Um, does the run game show up? Or does, you know, uh, Graham get it cut off and that quarterback and that guy on the outside just go nuts and, and take it over? If they go up a couple scores, 
what happens now with PV. They've come, they've come back. Uh, but now that comeback has to be done in a different way, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this is a huge game for both of these teams. Now you're looking at PV. You already got two division wins. You said 2-0 and in conference. You get 3-0. and I mean, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to say the, the division race is over. It's looking very bleak because right now Southern doesn't look very strong. UAPB's not a world beater. And they got that FAMU road game. That's going to be tough. That might be one loss. But they avoid a lot of the other top teams in the other division. So you you have a lot of opportunity to kind of not slam the door shut, but you're starting to close it. Oh, yeah. Like I said, it's all over but the shouting at that point, I think, Uh, if they they get that one done. I think it's all over but the shouting. Uh, But, again – Graham has a lot to play for. Uh, I would think there's a certain factor of uh, revenge because of the way it was played out last year. Uh, so I'll, it's, I'm going to be real interested to see how Gramlin comes out and who cuts who off first from what they want to do. Yeah, and then I think I do agree with Michael's comment. I mean, PV's O-line is good. Like, I'm not taking anything. Like, that's why the rushing attack is so dynamic. I like, listen, don't Caleb Johnson's a dog. Ahmad Antoine's a dog, but that O-line's key. I mean, they've returned all, what, the top eight offensive linemen from last year. They're legit. And I I will say this. Sunday on Anderson's got to play better this year. He has underwent – like, it is getting worrisome how – not bad he's played. He just hasn't had that game where he explodes onto the scene. And that's a problem because as an FCS prospect – no, I'm not saying that it can't. You got to put up stupid stats. Look at some of the guys who have put up elite stats and still haven't got the recognition. You can't just be average and be a top prospect. But I'll, Coach, the MEAC's interesting. As you mentioned that A&T game, I agree. Man, Morgan State at Yale and Campbell at North Carolina Central. Oh, man, sign me up for both of those. And uh, the one, you, the first one you said uh, – Again, man, I just want to see if those kids on the other side of the ball just can continue to show up. Uh, and if they continue to show up, the, the the hats, the accolades, all that needs to go over there because those kids have been playing lights out week after week, man. And uh, I just want to see if they show up and give themselves an opportunity to win the ball game like they've done every, each and every week. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I will say I think the MEAC game of the week – probably that central Campbell game. I mean, people remember, man, that, that game last year, that was a, man, that, I think that was the wake up call for central. They were yeah. kind of rolling, riding high, beating New Hampshire. And Campbell came in and said, Hey, welcome back to reality. We're going to run for like 400 yards on you. I was at that game. It was never close. Got it was never in, yeah. It was never in doubt. You do have, I did hear Davis is playing this week. So he's coming off an injury. What is he going to look like against a, a, a young but talented Campbell defense. And then you got that Campbell rushing attack against a front seven of Central that, let's be honest, has not really been tested this year. Uh, it's it's all test. Bringing them a two-pencil. Uh, remember those little tests where you had to put the bubble, you had to stay inside <laughs> the lines. Uh, they got to be inside the lines now, man. Um, and, and again, like we talked about last game with the revenge factor. I would think they are coming in with a chip on them show on their shoulder just because, like you said, it wasn't even close and it was the way it was done. You know, it wasn't no, we're gonna spread you out, aerate it. It was like, no, we're coming right here. And they went right there, time after time after time. Uh so yeah, it's gonna be a uh, I think it's a wake-up call. I, I don't think coach had to do a lot this week to uh get them going. I think he just had to pop that tape in from last year and if you're worth a grain of salt, uh, you're ready to go at this point, man. Yeah, I'm super interested to see that game. Coach, man, before we get into our previews, listen, we both sucked last week on our Super Dog pick. Neither of us got it. So no points for either of us right now, man. Do you have your Super Dog pick for this week? Oh, man. I, I'm i scared of it now, but I was going to go Georgetown, man. But I don't, I don't know if I – Georgetown. I Georgetown. Yeah, man, I just, I just think it's a, uh, it's definitely a wild one. 
but it's one that has set me apart from you. So I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, I'm trying to find the spread for the Georgetown game. Oh, my. Who are they even playing this week? They got oh, Fordham. I found them. Fordham, 17. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. You're covering that one, man. It's a lot of that's points. A, that's a good one. Okay. I I, I got to go. Listen, you're going to be mad at this one because, listen, I, I think I got you this week. Tennessee State UT Martin. Tennessee, Tennessee State. State is a 22 and a half point underdog. What? To Martin? Yes. Oh, when I saw that, I circled it. I said, absolutely. Sign, Sign me up. That one. <laughs> Sign me up. I don't know if Tennessee State's going to win that game. Listen, Martin is very talented. They, they, I mean, listen, Sam Franklin is averaging 163 yards per game this year as a true sophomore. The kid's electric. But I, Tennessee State's kind of shown the ability to be real gritty in terms of, like, making games ugly. So I'm not going to say – I'm not going to pick them outright, but, man, I would be very surprised if they, if they lost by 23 points this weekend. Yeah, to cover that—that's that's huge, man. Twenty-two, yee. That's a big. That's a big. Yeah, I was surprised because when I came in before I saw the spreads, I was going to go Albany Villanova. Albany's the favorite. Oh, Villanova! Wow. Point five favorite. Point five point. Uh, point five favorite. So it's really a pick them, but man, Villanova is what a top twenty team in the FCS right now. Yeah, and and having pretty good weeks. One before just, we start, what's the Morgan Yale? Mm, what what are they doing to Morgan? Let's see. I'm trying to find it. Let me see. Because I never know who they're going to put. Um, okay, so Yale's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to stick with what I got, man. That's It's 17-0 right now, Georgetown. I, I like it. Hey, my, my guy, uh, Timothy, in the chat said he's got Central Arkansas. Oh, no, he's got um, Southern Utah, six-and-a-half-point underdogs to Central Arkansas. Ooh. He's riding with that one. That's the game we're about to cover. So that's per- perfect. Timothy, I didn't even send you the topics, and you got you got perfect transitions over here. Coach, let's get it right into this game. I, I wasn't going to start with this one, but Timothy led us into it. Number 25, Central Arkansas, two-and-two two on the year, traveling to Southern Utah, one-and-three. Can the Thunderbirds find a way to get it done over the Bears? Which, by the way, Central Arkansas had a hilarious clip on social media where they asked the head coach, uh, Delane Fitzgerald of Southern Utah, what the mascot was, and he butchered it. He was like, it's some type of cat and went on the whole thing. And, yeah, they they posted a hilarious response to that. But, Coach, is there any way SUU can pull off the upset? Man, I think there is. But you know that's. I would like to know the mileage on that trip. That's a long. Uh, that's a that's a haul. Um, and then you know my thing is, again, uh, a team that's coming off of a, a big time high, big time win. Uh, are they ready? Did they put that behind them? Uh, can UCA handle themselves in this type of thing? Because I think if they win this game, uh, that kind of there's no more sneaking up on people, um, like we talked about. Um, I think early in the year, they were kind of in the same predicament with the uh, Western Carolinas. Maybe not this year. Uh, maybe it's coming, you know, but Southern Utah hadn't been, I mean, hadn't been playing by a ball this year either, though. No, they have. I mean, listen, the one in three records deceiving. They had two power five or two F, well, I guess BYU's power five now. So two power five games yeah. and yeah. then play UC Davis, who's a top 20 team. And they've had a brutal – they picked up their first win against Western Illinois last week. Central Arkansas, same thing. Oklahoma State, North Dakota State. I mean, they had a brutal schedule too. So it's they two records that are – yeah, it's two records that are deceiving. And listen, Central Arkansas, we talked about it last week, dominant win over Abilene Christian. We talked about them definitely being a top 25 team. Coach, the matchup for me, Shanderick Powell's different, man. 613 rushing yards, five touchdowns, back-to-back 200-plus <laughs> yard games. The kid, as One of them was against North Dakota State. It's been insane. But he's going up against the Thunderbirds defense, only allowing 66 yards per game, two less than two and a half yards per carry. And they did that against Arizona State, BYU, and UC Davis. So three teams that can run the football. 
And so you're looking at this matchup as if Southern Utah can put this game in Will McIlvain's hands, man, they got they, a they, they, they got they, a chance. Yeah, they definitely have a chance. And listen, you're a wide receiver guy. Zach Mitchell and Isaiah Wooden are problems on the outside for Southern Utah. Both of those guys can go get big plays at the wide receiver position. But, Coach, I'll be honest, I think Southern Utah has enough firepower to make this close. But I do think the depth of the running back room, when you look at Darius Hale, Shandarek Powell, Kylan James in that running back room, it's too deep. I don't think they have the depth in the front seven to hang with that. I got Central Arkansas winning this one 38-28, pulling away late. And Powell's averaging close to 12 yards every time he touches it. Um, And then when you put that into perspective, like you said, they didn't go and play Division II teams. or They played one of them, but but it did counteract those first two. Yeah, I mean, those first two, and then you get that other game. Um, and for this kid still to be averaging over 11 yards every time he touches it um, is amazing. Uh, run game is supposed to travel, right? The run game is supposed to travel. Uh, but this is where I pull ahead on you. Ooh. I like the home team uh, just because, like you said, they have a receiver there. We have a couple receivers uh, who can get it done. Um, the, the young kid, he's averaging almost 17 yards every time he catches it. Uh, if they can keep it close, don't turn it over. The home team wins this one. I'm, I'm going out with the home team. I, I, like, I, I don't mind that pick. This was, this was one that was really tough. I will say Southern Utah has only allowed one sack this year. They go up against the uh, one of the runner-ups for the Butt Buchanan, David Walker, five tackles for loss, three sacks this year. That'll be a huge matchup, too. But I like it, Coach. So Coach going with the Southern Utah upset. I got the Bears on the road. Coach, one that I think has a little bit of interest coming in, but I think part of me feels like this. it's either going to be a – very narrow upset or a blowout on the other side. I feel like we got Harvard two and zero traveling to number six Holy Cross three and one. Coach Harvard Holy Cross split the past two meetings. Holy Cross already got a big victory over Yale a few weeks ago. Can Harvard find a way to pull off the upset for the past two out of three years? I don't think so. Um... <laughs> And I'm not to sound like Lee Corso, but I, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think Holy Cross, man, has got it, got it rolling. Uh, they look really good. They, uh, they should have a big power five win on their record right now. Mm. They are, I think, priming up for a, a nice run. Uh, their QB, all he does is put it in the end zone. He protects the ball. They're at home. You know how I feel about the home team. Uh, I think they just have too much uh, between the quarterback, the receiver room, and just enough defense and home field advantage to uh, to hold this one. Yeah, I mean, listen, Holy Cross undefeated in FCS competition, winning those games by an average of 29 points, Coach. Had that loss to Boston College. Now, Harvard – undefeated in their first two games, but they haven't seen an offense like this. I will say I've been impressed with Shane McLaughlin at running back. I think Charles DePrima at quarterback is a great dual threat option. It'll be interesting to see how he plays compared to Saluka on the other side, both being dual threat guys. The Crimson defense, Coach, only allowing 88 yards per game on the ground, less than two and a half yards per carry as well. But, man, when you got Saluka with almost 800 yards passing, almost 400 yards on the ground, and then on top of that, Jordan Fuller at running back has put up 400 rushing yards, nine touchdowns as RB1. It's just that they're just so dynamic with how they can attack. And then you've got Jalen Coker on the outside. I think Harvard's talented. Now, could they win the Ivy League? Absolutely. But I think, Coach, I've said it from the offseason, people sleeping on Holy Cross as a national title contender are doing so because of the brand alone and the conference and the conference notoriety alone. This team's super talented at all levels, from quarterback to running back, wide receiver, O-line, all the way down the defense. And I will say, looking at watching their first four games, Coach, the, the defense is slow to wake up. They'll allow some yards early, allow teams to be comfortable till halftime, and then they come out in the second half, and the D coordinator and the coaching staff do an excellent job of making adjustments, and they look like a different team in the second half. I think Holy Cross goes into this matchup as close at halftime. 
in the second half, they find another gear. I got Holy Cross 41 to 24. Oh, yeah, I'm with that one. Um, I like the the uh, margin of victory. Holy Cross, like I said, I watched them at BC game. And if not for a play here or there, that game's not even close. But it goes back to, like you said, a slow start. Uh, their defense staff does an, a, an excellent job of coming out. And they, they shut people out. I shouldn't say shut them out. They shut them down in the third quarter. Uh, and then that's when that offense gets to clicking. Uh, that, you know, starts to turn another gear. And then by the time they get to the fourth quarter, uh, they're running around. And the thing that I like about them most, again, watching them in the BC game, they don't back down. Uh, they don't back down. They're playing fast. They're playing hard. Uh, I just think it's just too much for Harvard. Um, I take them widespread, so I'm going to stay with your score. But, uh, yeah, I like them to uh, to walk away with this one late. Coach, a game that you were kind of surprised we were covering. For some reason, some people picked this as the FCS game of the week. I get it. You didn't want to repeat teams. But we got number five, William & Mary, 4-0, traveling to Elon, 2-2. Two two. Shout out to my guy Dustin in the chat, man. Appreciate you having me on Around the UAC this week. Coach, last year, William & Mary lost one conference game. It was to Elon last year. Called him in a big upset. Can Elon find a way to win three consecutive conference games and get back-to-back -back wins over William & Mary? For that reason there, what you just said is why I say they don't, they don't win this one. Uh, William & Mary understands, you know, they got caught last year. Uh, that may have been one of those games where they were looking ahead, not taking it completely serious. Uh, to the point that they walked in and when it was time to get serious, by that time it was just uh, Elon had it rolling. Um, so I don't think they get caught. And I think, you know, the quarterback, not a lot of productions when you when you look touchdown, but he's not turning it over either. Um, and that's what you need on the road. And I think they have enough of a running game with the uh, BY kid back there. I think they uh, they come in, they're serious-minded, um, I think this is one where they kind of take it away late, and it's one of those 30-17 uh, type things. I like it. Now, we'll say Yoder is out this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Out with injury this weekend. But listen, Malachi Moa has done an excellent job replacing him. I want to say Moa has 340-something yards this year, but I, if I'm not mistaken, Yoder is out this, this weekend with injury. So it will be interesting to see what the depth is in that running room, uh, running back room this weekend, but coach, I got green lighted, so maybe. Well, nobody updates there. Man, you know how it. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm acting like I don't know. Never mind. Yeah, I, I must say I heard he. I heard he was probably out, but listen, if he if he's green lighted, then that, that that makes me feel even better about how I'm feeling about this game. But um, just just looking at this game, I don't even think it matters if he plays coach. So I'll be honest. The the reason that I think William and Mary enters is to favor is defense. They are allowing 10 points per game right now, Coach, 170 yards per game, and have only allowed four total touchdowns. And I want to say three of those have only have, only three of those have been offensive. I mean, <laughs> that's next level in terms of defense. And it's led by those two bad guys on the edge. John oh, Pius, Nate Lynn, 15 tackles for loss, Coach, nine sacks in four games for those two guys. And you've been singing those praises for uh, for a long time uh, of those guys up front for uh, uh, William and Mary, uh, which again they come in wrapped up, ready to go because of what happened. Um, those guys they've shown uh, going back looking at those scores, you know they play a, a brand of ball where they're gonna you know they're gonna punish you. Um, and I think that this one is one where they come in and they want to set the tone early. And I just don't think Eli's going to be able to hold up early with this guy, with these guys. And they need to uh, prove a point as well. They need to get, get rolling. I'm with you. I think Jalen Hampton has done well at running back for the, excuse me, for them, 488, five touchdowns this year. But I don't think Matthew Downey has kind of, I think he's been slowly improving. I don't think he's found his full groove yet at quarterback for Elon. And that's the question mark. So if this comes down to two good run games, you're facing a bigger challenge if you're downing. Is the defense for William & Mary obviously a little bit better? If it comes down to Darius Wilson versus downing, I'm giving the edge to Wilson a little bit. 
Coach, I do think this is going to be an ugly game. I, I don't think this is going to be a super high-scoring game. I got William and Mary winning this one 21-10 to 10 this weekend. 30-17, uh, 20-10. I'm with it. I, I, yeah, I, I think that's going to be the thing is just can you score? Because, God, that defense, been, yeah, that defense has, been, has been electric. But, man, our two ranked games of the week, Coach. Number four, Idaho, traveling to the red turf, that inferno turf to battle number 19, Eastern Washington, one of the hottest teams in the country right now, has really come out of nowhere after starting the season 0-2. Coach, does the, red field, does the red field play big enough a factor that they knock off a very, very talented Idaho team? A team you loved, and you loved them since last year. I'm torn. Um, man, both you of these got teams. Me on the, you got me on the bandwagon, man. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, you've, been, you've been singing the praises of these guys for a long time. Uh, it's a couple things worry me about it. Like again, because it's on the road, the red turf, they just came off of two, two big time wins. Uh, they have the guy, the signal caller, the triggered guy, they got him. Um, do they hold on early? I always say in these type of games, man, you got to hold on the first 10 minutes. Uh, if Idaho, Idaho can hold on the first 10 minutes, uh, and make it a game on the road, I think they are, they're good. Now, if it's one of those situations you look up in the middle of the first quarter and you're down 10 nothing already, it could get bad uh, just because. But I think Idaho is really a contender and they're for real. They have a trigger guy. I think they go in there and win that. Yeah, this one, this one kills me, man. I, I hate that this game comes right now because I'm – I, I think both of these teams are really good. I, I really do. Like, I, I don't think a loss by Eastern Washington to Idaho should drop them, like, super far. Like, I still think this is a very talented team. But, oh, God. Because last week, Coach, let's just be honest. Watching that UC Davis game, they kind of got outplayed and found a way to escape because of, in, you know, the injury to the uh, Larison and, yeah. uh, you know, some bad mistakes by UC Davis. They forced UC Davis in some crucial mistakes. And, hey, that's props to Eastern Washington. But you can't play like that offensively against Idaho and expect them to make the same mistakes to kind of give you the game, per se. you got to play you got to play almost a perfect game to knock the Vandals off this year. Yeah, because they got GM back there. And you give it the GM enough times, uh, turnover-wise, he's going to make it happen. And uh, I think that's the biggest factor uh, that you sold me on that's got me riding this Idaho bandwagon is that that guy right there right now seems to be the, the fuel in the engine. And as long as he's flowing and going, they are on both sides of the ball as well. I will say, shout out to Dan in the chat. The home team has won every single matchup between these teams since Idaho returned to the big sky. That's because GM wasn't there. GM's there now. <laughs> Listen, it, Faith and McCoy, I will say, Coach, look, looking at Idaho last year, we knew what the potential was offensively. McCoy yeah. was a talented freshman. You had the two wide receivers. Anthony Woods was at running back. Offensive line was good. But the defense was so inconsistent. And now you're looking at the defense now – Two FBS games, a big game against Sac State last week, and they're still allowing less than 285 yards per game. They've been very consistent at the line of scrimmage, not even getting dominated by a great Sac State offensive line. The right. question becomes, is, is Visperus consistent enough to generate explosive plays? And can Justice Jackson in that running back room, can they do enough offensively to generate explosive plays? Because I think that's the key. Idaho has like this coach's weird ability to dominate the time of possession while still creating explosive plays. And it, it is so counterintuitive watching them. They just eat the clock up and then they're going to, they're, they're going to bomb it for a huge explosive play. And you're like, right. well, how, how did this happen? Now we don't have seven minutes off the clock and they just killed us. That's right. the thing is they're just so versatile in how they attack you. I will say Hayden Hatton is just continues to take his game to the next level. Giovanni McCoy has been consistent. They're too balanced offensively coach. I'm with you as great as Eastern Washington could be later this year. I think Idaho pulls away late 31 to 20 over Eastern Washington on the road. I'll take that. Um, <laughs> just because GM is there. And I think what's going to happen is that 
they get up, and I think they're going to put them into press mode. And like you said, the defense has been answering the call. Uh, he goes up by 14. This this could get ugly. It, it really could. And good for Idaho. This is early in the year. Um, if this was later in the year, it might be a different you know outcome, so to speak, with the elements and things like that. But uh, right now, man, I'm on the uh, I'm on the GM train, man. Let's go. Well, I, want, I got two questions for you, and, and then we'll hit the last game and wrap it up. And we're still well under an hour. Question in the chat came from Timothy. He said, does Idaho have the best offensive talent in the nation, FCS-wise? With GM and, and HH and, uh, uh, and Jermaine, Jermaine Jackson and Anthony Woods. Hey, Woods. Um, I would take – Again, I would take this crew to a seven-on-seven game and put us, in the, put us in the top bracket, you know, put us in top gun. That's what I used to call back when we played seven-on-seven, uh, seven, top gun, uh, what was it, mid-level, and then couch potato. I would put this group in top, top gun. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's what the, the, the organs and all that, you know, seven-on-seven, seven, I'd definitely put this group in there. I'll say this. If you're just including weapons, that's a strong argument because Montana State's one that I put in the conversation because if you're including offensive line. Oh, no. Yeah. It, 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 I think if you include the entire offense, Timothy, including O-line, it's Montana. I think Montana State's in that conversation. Very. I mean, they got seven or eight offensive linemen that would start for any team in the FCS in the entire country. Then you got those running backs where there's like seven of them that are good enough to play almost anywhere. And then you got Malat and Chambers. The one drawback for for Montana State though is I don't know what their wide receiver talent is. I don't I don't think they have the ceiling that some other teams have at wide receiver. They got some good pieces, Taco Dowler, um, some of those guys. Um, Mark Marquis is another one, but that's where that's where the drawback for Montana State, South Dakota State. Kronowski, Isaiah Davis, Amar Johnson, the offensive line, the Yankee twins, the freshmen that caught the game-winning touchdown against um, Montana State, they're in the conversation too. Now, Idaho, I think if you just take quarterback and wide receiver, there's yeah, probably an argument they got the best quarterback-wide receiver duo in the country. Yeah, 7-on-7. Seven seven. That's all I'm talking, 7-on-7. Seven seven. I'll leave that other stuff yeah. to you. The 7-on-7 seven seven part? Oh, ain't no doubt. Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, I think the skill guys, yes, but – the Montana State and South Dakota State, if you include the O-line and everyone, I think they probably take it. Yeah, I think, man, South um, North Dakota State isn't far behind with how well both of their quarterbacks are playing either. Plus, you got the O-line. So, I'll say that. And then, Coach, the other thing is, if Idaho wins this game impressively, do they have an argument? I, I get it. Everyone wants to say the champion is number one and, until, until knocked off. FBS win. Competitive FBS loss, and now you got two ranked wins on the resume, two top twenty wins plus a top ten win. No, a top five win as well on your resume. Fleming there is probably going to vote him number one. <laughs> I'm just saying, he's probably going to vote him number one. Um, <sighs> That's I, I, if I, it's I, impressive. I think you again. I'm not. I'm like you. You're, you're not the man until you beat the man, but, I mean, let's equal up the votes. <laughs> I think, you know, North Dakota State has the ranked win over Central Arkansas. Super impressive. They got the win over Eastern Washington. But if Idaho beats Eastern Washington on the road yeah. in just as impressive fashion, I think Idaho's got the better resume than the Bison. Now, the win over Montana State's the kind of the, kind of the thing saving South Dakota State right now. But it's, you got to have a talk of they probably got a better resume than them. They probably got a better resume than Montana State. Now, are they the better team on paper? That's that's debate, and we'll see because they play Montana State later this year. But if we're just ranking teams based on what we've seen on the uh, on film, on the field, and resumes for this year, man, there's a tough. It's tough to say they don't have the best resume right now in college football. I. Again, you talk me into it, man. So I'm on the train. <laughs> we had to get coach some Idaho merch. Listen, if my guys from Walk On Apparel are watching, I know, I know we've been talking about potentially sponsoring the show. I need my guy coach to get some Idaho merch, man. Um, for man. For, for, the, for just the show, man. He can't wait around the building. 
Oh, no, 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 no. They got a, they got a pretty favorable schedule, man, you know, at home. Um, as I'm mm-hmm. going through it, man, they've, you know, uh, GM stays healthy. They get uh, MTST at the house. Uh, I mean, in a couple weeks, Fred McNair might have to vote those guys number one. You know what I mean? I, hey, can we give a tie? Can we do a tie for first <laughs> on that one? But, Coach, man, the game of the week, man, quickly over the last 10 minutes. Number 12, North Dakota, 2-1, and one, traveling to number one, South Dakota State, 3-0, and oh, 3 p.m. Eastern time kickoff, ESPN+. Plus. Coach, I don't know if you saw this. In college football this weekend, this game is the, is the eighth most expensive ticket in college football. What? <laughs> really? Yeah. I like it. I like it. I like it. What is it hitting for? I I, I don't I don't know what the number was, and it and it is sold out. So you can only get tickets Ooh. on the secondary market as well, which is a whole other reason. Ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous. You yeah. Oh, it, it it's easily probably in the three four hundreds. Trey Lee Moses for an FCS game, man. Like shout out to the South Dakota That's State fans. Time. Shout That's out to the South. Time. But coach can can North Dakota knock off the defending national champions on the road in Brookings? Nah, uh, they are they are a machine. Um, they just find ways to do it. Uh, quarterback not there, that's fine. Uh, number two guy, here we go. You know they just find ways to do it. Um, in the off season, I want to go visit those guys and just kind of see what's in the building. You know, what they talk about, uh, how do they lock those guys in? Because they have locked those guys in. And it's almost to the point when you look at them, they're not comfortable. You know, it's like, oh, y'all say it was a fluke? Okay, we're going to run it back. You know, and that when you're watching them play, that's how they play. They play with the edge. You watch the O-line. Uh, they're finishing to the echo of the whistle and then even a little bit past that. Um, so, I think it's going to be a uh, – you said to sell out. I think it's going to be loud, crazy. It's at 2 o'clock. Shouldn't be too cold before the sun goes down. Uh, you know, this one can easily be one of those 35-14 type things. Uh, coach, we, we talked – I don't know if – did we have – yeah, we did. We had the Montana State-Weber matchup yep. last week. This could be ugly. Just me kind of going through, watching the film on North Dakota, looking just how they match up. I agree with Timothy said. They, this is a bad matchup for North Dakota. Like, everything you don't want your opponent to be able to do, they they do. And it's on the road. And, and it's a team with so much momentum. And I'll be honest, you mentioned that they don't seem satisfied and they seem really motivated. I think they see what's happening in that state just above them with how the Bison are playing right now. They know oh, they're yeah. coming. They know they want revenge. You got to be ready for that because you might have to play them twice again. So you have to be ready. I will say Tommy Schuster has to play a huge game. Listen, he's completed 70% of his passes, coach. Five touchdowns, no turnovers. He's going to have to play lights out this weekend. They have a lot of talent at wide receiver. Um, Bo Beliquist um, at wide receiver, 296, two touchdowns. Uh, Wesley Elador as well at wide receiver has been a solid target for him. He's going, they're going to have to find a way to put the ball in the air and take advantage of the secondary because outside of, uh, of Gavin at running back, they really haven't established a consistent rushing attack, coach. Every like when I look at this team, it's almost like just a bunch of just above average, average, just above average. And you're going to have to play at the elite level to win this game on the road. And I don't know if North Dakota is capable of that right now, especially because South Dakota State gets to, gets one of the Yankee Twins back this weekend, and all the American linebacker Adam Bach is scheduled to return. Yeah, those twins aren't no joke. And uh, TS is completing 70 percent. He's yeah. going to be he's going to have to be closer to eighty five, and uh, they've got to find a way to just chew that clock away and play keep away, and and get points and hope at the end of it that, you know, they're, they're within striking distance, which I just don't see unless, you know, SDST just comes out and turns it over. Uh, I just don't see it. You know, I, I see it being, like I said, one of those 35-17, 35-20 type games uh, for the home team in front of a sellout crowd. 
they're focused, man. They, they look really good. Um, and I can't wait for that matchup. Uh, just like I think everybody else, when you're talking about it, they know it's coming. You know, it, it's coming and it's anticipated. And like you said, you can't just get ready that week. You know, you got to be putting it out there. You got to send those messages. You got to let them know, uh, yeah, we see you. Uh, now do you see us? You know, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, UND just happens to be in the way right now. Plus, you get South Dakota State coming off a of bye week. And so they're going to yeah. be recharged right at home Feels going to be crazy. And because their offense is just so balanced. So you're almost like, what do you take away? Do you take away the rushing attack averaging 250, seven yards per carry? Or do you take away the passing attack that's averaging over 200, eight touchdowns, one pick for Granowski, who's been playing super efficiently? Like, that's what that, that's what I kind of like about the South Dakota State team, Coach. I know everyone falls in love with the guys like Lindsey Scott, Tim DeMoret. They're putting up five, 600 yards, seven, eight touchdowns. But, man, <laughs> Gronowski is just that guy that it's not up and down, up and down. It's like at the same level, the same consistent good level, week in, week out, and he never falters. And his bad games are some people's good games, and it's just like he he consistently steers the ship in the right direct direction. I think Griffin Wild emerging as a big-time wide receiving tar target helps out the Yankee twins. And then, Coach, we know what the running game is. Amar Johnson, Isaiah Davis are issues. And the only criticism I have for the team is who's going to emerge on the defensive line. And I, I want to see, can they get an edge rusher? Can someone emerge at D tackle to be that pass rusher, the guy to collapse the pocket, get Schuster off his spot and not allow him to be comfortable? Because I do think if there's one way North Dakota can stay in this, it's if they leave Schuster in the pocket, give him all day, and allow that wide receiving core to have some broken plays, and he's just a playmaker, and he can go find it. They're going to have to get pressure somehow. Can they do it without bringing consistent blitzes? That's going to be something I'm watching for throughout this matchup. And, you know, to go back to what you said, if uh, I'm one of the college shirts at UND, uh, we're going to take that runaway. And we're not going to sit there and 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 have that death by a thousand paper cuts. Uh Either we're going to have an opportunity or this is just going to get ugly. Uh, I just can't let you run for 500 yards and it still gets ugly. You know, I want to make sure because that run, you take the running game away, you at least give, your, give yourself time with the clock. Uh, you take the pass and you allow them to run. We all know how that goes. Four yards here, two yards here, 10 yards. That clock is steady moving. Uh, now they've had four possessions. You've had one and you're still playing catch-up. If I'm UND, we're going to put 13 in the box and say, hey, do what you do outside, you know, beat us, and we'll take our chances on this thing, getting out of hand and being a 49-42 type of game, you know, that kind of thing. I'm with you. Uh, an interesting stat, Coach, because we talk about how elite teams have to have an elite pass rush. Can you believe South Dakota State has not been credited with a sack this year? At all. At all. Zero wow. sacks this year. Wow. It's still getting it done. That it just so it's everything that this team is is so counterintuitive in terms of like how they're so dominant defensively, doing it so in, in like such an unconventional way almost. Like, like Jimmy Rogers has those guys flying around, but they're not generating like those shot plays where it's like you got a guy like John Pius or Nate Lynn going out there and getting you three sacks in a game. Zero sacks. They're going up against the North Dakota State or North Dakota offensive line. That's allowed eight sacks this year, Coach. Can they get their first sack? I'm going to be watching because so I do think of there. It might not be this week, Coach. But when you go up against Idaho in the playoffs, and you got Giovanni McCoy over there, you yeah. go up against North Dakota State. You go up against someone that has a good has has a, like top notch quarterback. If you're not you getting you. pressure on them, you're in trouble. Man, that's it makes it so much tougher on your defense to make the right plays. And I do think they've they've gotten lucky they haven't really played a team. Let's be honest, Montana State's not sitting back there trying to throw the ball 50 times. No. But what happens when you got Giovanni McCoy and Hayden Hatton out there and you better get to the quarterback? Yeah, you got to get him off his spot. You 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 got to. Uh it it's just oh, it's such a weird thing. But coach, I'm with you. South Dakota State 42. 24 i think a big win at home i think north dakota is able to score early 
But I just think South Dakota State is going to be too much for them. I think they're going to wear them down. The run game's too much. So I'm going to go 42-24 this weekend. Good. So what? I got one out there. Yeah, you got a big pick out there, man. That that Southern Utah game. I will say, I I want to throw this one out because I I I want to see where how you feel about it. Just a bonus pick. We may or may not count it. NCCU Campbell, coach. Who were you riding with this weekend? Man, I didn't put the numbers on that one, but uh, oh, I'm just going off the top of the dome too. uh, Yes, but I just feel like uh, you know the way that thing went and what you you know. Coach Oliver and what they've talked about, I just think it's got to go a different way. Uh, and I just think that that alone, and it depends on who's playing quarterback. I oh, think, it's going to uh, be Richard. I heard it. I heard it's like almost a hundred. It's, it's as close to a hundred percent going to be Richard as it can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, cause you, cause you can't I, I'm listen, Walker played, played lights out last week but no offense there's a difference between playing Campbell and playing that Valley team this year there's a huge difference like it are you going out there throwing five touchdowns no turnovers against Campbell that's a way tougher test I get what you're saying um but I'm also thinking from coach Oliver's side I shouldn't say that I'm also thinking from a coach side of things we almost let this thing burn in our face in, in UCLA, non-conference. Yeah. Here we are, another non-conference type game. What do we do? Um, it's got to be kid or you're 100%. Don't lie to me. Okay, you're 100%. Take us home. You're not 100%. All right, here we go. We're going to play ball control, uh, offense, defense. Keep us there. Uh, so because I'm not going to be on the fence, I'm going to pick somebody. <laughs> I'm going with Cam. Oh, oh, the misdirection on that one. The misdirection is crazy. I'm trying to find the spread of that one real quick. Uh, Campbell's a two point favorite in this one, coach. All right, I'm going to take my two and roll. You know what? You took a chance on Southern Utah. I'll take more we'll count this game and I'll take my chance. I'm gonna roll with Central. If okay. if if they're gonna get it done and, and they're gonna kind of like get that momentum building up because Howard's gonna be a tough test in conference. Hell, Norfolk's shaping up to be a possibly tough test in conference. And you got that Morgan defense. You got to show me you can beat Campbell, who just lost to Elon last week in kind of a disappointing game. The game's at home, coach. You are back in Durham in front of the home crowd. That would be a huge letdown. Davius returns, and I'll, I will say, Coach KJ Black, former FAMU OC, now now with the Rams, said there's going to be more scouts at this game than any other game NCCU plays this year. And you know how I feel about the home, but I just think Campbell, and I just think if the kid is not 100%, they're not going to play. Oh. Um, and I think the other kid – will roll out there like, yo, I'm a, I'm the dude, I'm good. But then now he sees those college shirts with the logo on it. How does he react? Um, NC, uh, I, CU I, I, at home, yeah, but uh, I'm still staying Campbell. I, I'll take NCCU because I think Davis is going to play. I, I'll, I won't change my pick, but if he doesn't play, Campbell's going to win the game. I'll put I'll put it out there. I, they're not beating Campbell with without Davius. And I will say, Coach, we, we, we it's always kind of a running joke on the show anyway. 26 and a half points. Does FAM cover this week on the road at Valley? No. Oh. Oh, to no. the heart to the FAMU fans. To no. the heart. They win. They win. But it's not going to be by 27. And here's why. Valley's got that grass that freaking high right now. <laughs> and they went down to the hardware store oh, and God, they put that out. <laughs> it's it's a level playing field, man. <laughs> oh, Everybody's God. running the same speed out there, brother. Oh God. I I, I think they cover. Coach, I I, I know it's, it's, 26, a, it's 27 nothing right now. Valley is what you're telling me. I saw this team. I get it at home. This team 
with a backup quarterback at Central lost 45 to 3. I mean, it, coach, this is a team that lost by 20 plus points to Delta State. Uh, hey, so let me ask you this Is that Hooter still in Mobile? Yeah. All right, we're not going to put this on the deal. This is going to be me and you deal. I'm going to bet Hooters. Uh, I need 20 breaded. Uh, <laughs> right. And unlimited uh, things with the handle on the side. I got you. I got you. If if if, if FAMU doesn't cover, man, you got to come to Mobile. I got you on that. But I just – I, I think fam, Yeah. I, 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 I got a feeling – Oof, I got a feeling fam will cover because you can't you can't I, I get it. Every, like there's some people in the chat that are like the, the field is something crazy. They would um, be, they know. <laughs> uh, my guy Trey, my guy's my, my guy Trey reps fam you. He said that grass could be six six feet tall, fam. You still covering. It's 27 nothing valley <laughs> right now, man. We can't lose that kind of lead with that grass. Oh my oh, god, man. man. I, I, uh, I'm going to feel sick if they win by like 24. I know I'm going to feel sick. <laughs> oh, I'm going to feel so sick about that. I'll try to see if there's any other wild spreads. I mean, all the, all the other ones seem pretty realistic. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, coach, you, you got, you guys got, you guys got to hang the bullets and board material, man. They got y'all's underdogs this weekend. I love it. 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 Um, we, we need all the motivation we can get. We're gonna take it. Uh, we pull out of here tomorrow with the uh, with the mindset of winning the ball game. Um, you know that's what we do every week, and uh, it's just uh, you know we ran out of time. Kid hit a walk off, and, and there's no worse feeling than watching that and then seeing the clock and your periphery go to double triple zero, and you're like, yeah, dang it, forty seven yarder. How's that happen? That's just brutal. I will say, guys, not for Coach Fred's ears. He, he can muff them. But if you're out there and you got the FCS Sportsbook, the over-under for the Alcorn game is 38 and a half. <laughs> I got to I, – I, I might be crazy. I think – I think I think that – I think they cover. I, I think that goes over. <laughs> that's that, – that is a super, super low – over yeah, under that's, that that's a crazy one right there. 38 and, and a half. Bowden would say, God rest his soul. And Bobby Bow would say, somebody's fixing the score. Yeah. <laughs> but but coach, good luck this weekend, man. A huge road trip coming over to the state of Alabama, man. Uh facing the Alabama State Hornets this weekend. All corn state going up to Montgomery. But guys, it rewind the show, man. Big announcement earlier in the show, man. Again, appreciate all y'all for all y'all support. Me and coach will be back Monday. 4.30 p.m. Central Time, live right here on YouTube. To recap the whole week, go to the thebluebloodcfb.com for all the content this weekend. But guys, for Coach Fred, for myself, and for the Blue Bloods men, we are out for right now.